When your content strategy isn't what your audience wants to hear from you. When the topics you planned to cover no longer resonate. When a global pandemic changes everything, not only for you, but also obviously for your audience, what exactly do you do? And perhaps more fittingly here, what exactly do you say? When your job, or maybe even your business, is content, what does that pivot look like? I'm Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted, the first and only marketing platform built around branded podcasts. And this is our podcast. Here in season three of the Casted podcast, we're talking with CMOs and marketing leaders to see how they're rethinking their marketing strategies in light of the COVID-19 crisis. And for some of us who serve marketers and content creators, it's not just our messaging and content strategy that has changed, but also the messaging and content strategies of our audiences. Regardless of your audience, it's pretty clear that there's a lot of rapid change happening in content marketing today. So today, we're hearing from Joe Lazowskis, who heads up marketing at Contently, a company many of you know and love, and they serve both marketing leaders inside companies and also freelance content creators. So Although his audiences are closely related, they're very different, which Joe knows and strategically works accordingly, as you'll hear. Listen and learn from Joe as he shares an interesting behind-the-scenes look at the content strategy of Contently, as well as incredibly tactical and helpful advice on how to stay nimble with your own content marketing efforts amidst, well, this uncertain time we're all navigating right now. I'm Joe Zaskis, and I'm the head of marketing at Contently. All right, Joe, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm eager to hear what you and your team are doing right now in the midst of this crisis. How has it most impacted you and what you're doing specifically from a marketing perspective at Contently? So it's funny. I I would say that it has impacted us a lot, but also not that much at the same time. Um, And I say that because when I think back to, you know, the first virtual team meeting that we had a month ago uh, when we first went to work from home, which feels like it was six months ago, but it was only about four weeks ago. Um, The immediate conversation was, what can we do to really help our audience the most in this time? And that's always the guiding light of what we do from a marketing perspective on our team. So in that way, it wasn't a huge change, but it was this different lens that we had to put on, uh, on everything. Uh, So Contently has two main audiences that we serve. The first audience is marketers who are trying to figure out how to create better content, how to tell better stories, how to drive ROI from their programs, how to use content to help their audiences and build their brands. And the second is freelance creatives. Um, Contently, in addition to being a technology platform, also has a network of over 150,000 freelance creatives throughout the world the brands that we work with use to create, you know, dynamic content of all kinds. And so these are the two audiences that we've always really served. They're both a key part of our mission, helping them tell great stories together. Um, So we had to figure out how to help each of these groups. And on the marketer side, you know, we realized that looks more like spinning up brand new content that addressed the challenges that they'd be going through right now as the pandemic hit. Um, And for freelancers, uh, it was not just spinning up really good content that would help them overcome challenges, but actually starting to think about how we could help them in a more concrete, you know, monetary way, because we knew that a lot of freelancers would soon be losing their work. Such closely related, obviously, 
audiences that work together and that serve each other, um, but very different, different messages, different needs, different goals in this whole thing. Walk me through what that looked like. So, you, I mean, you started with first who, who are we talking to? How did you split that up into two main strategies, two main categories, two main initiatives? What did that look like? Actually, we started with a silent brainstorming exercise as we do a lot when we're trying to just come up with good ideas. Uh, we generally believe that if you do like group brainstorms where everyone's just throwing out ideas, really loud people like me tend to dominate. Um, so everyone went off on their own over Zoom to work on coming up with some different ideas. And it spanned both content initiatives that we could do for each audience and then also sort of public goodwill um, initiatives that we can do. So the big idea that came out of all of it was for freelance creatives, we decided to start a fundraising effort um, with the Freelancers Union's Freelancer Relief Fund um, with the goal of raising $50,000 this month for emergency grants for freelancers who have faced economic hardship. So basically, and the way that we're doing that in order to also encourage our clients to keep creating work with freelance creatives through our platform is that for every $200,000 that get paid to freelance creatives through Contently, in April, we're donating $5,000 in grants. Um, about a million dollars um, almost gets paid through the Contently platform each month. And then for every strategy deliverable we're selling, we're donating an additional $5,000. And we're also working with some additional brands to partner on this um, to raise the total. So that was like kind of the big goodwill initiative that we were doing. But then on a more granular content perspective, and with both of these things, we just wanted to go and talk to as many of our CS people, our sales people who are talking to customers every day, our talent people who are talking to the network, interview um, some people of our own that we were close with to understand what challenges they were undergoing. Um, and so we've spun out a, a few different content series as the result of that. One thing that was immediate, for instance, was how to make the case uh, for content marketing, because a lot of people were feeling the pressure of potential budget cuts, uh, with content often being one of the first things that is targeted because there's more of a long-term ROI than an immediate direct response ROI. Uh, so I wrote up a big mega post kind of outlining how to make the case on that. And we're doing a big educational webinar in a couple weeks detailing that. Uh, another big thing that came up was people having trouble figuring out how to collaborate um, in the most effective way on content with their team suddenly dispersed in this new way of working. So we ran uh, a virtual education event on that last week uh, that was hosted by our editor-in-chief Jordan and our founder Shane Snow, who's written a couple of best-selling books on human psychology and behavior um, and teamwork. And then, you know, there's a lot of just smaller posts that get into the nitty-gritty of virtual events, um, spinning up more educational videos, really just recentering our entire content strategy around answering the big questions that people have right now. One of the things that I've been hearing a lot is refueling my messaging, right? So my messaging doesn't really work anymore. Either it just doesn't make any sense or it could come across as tone deaf or, you know, it just doesn't, it's not a fit right now. It doesn't solve the problem that my audience has right now. That problem has completely changed. So how did that change for you as far as how you were communicating to these audiences and what you were saying as you, these initiatives sound great and like goodwill and, and also keeping people engaged with you and with your platform with each other. But how did, how did you actually like put those messages out there? How did you frame up what Contently could do for your audience in a way that you felt would be most likely to resonate and be received the way it's intended? Yeah. So I approached it from a perspective of, it was more important to focus on 
actually developing like good in-depth meaty educational content for people than just changing the tagline on our website. You know, instead of just changing it to being like the remote content co content collaboration platform for when, you know, coronavirus is keeping you apart, um, which everyone seems to be doing. You know, everyone wants to be the Zoom for content marketing, the Zoom for marketing automation. Um, and that ultimately just rings kind of opportunistic and, ho and hollow as opposed to really drilling down and understanding, okay, people are struggling to figure out how to collaborate on creative content when their teams are apart and when they can't sit down and look over each other's shoulder like they normally do in the office. They're struggling to figure out how to best communicate big ideas and project timelines and initiatives. Um, they're struggling to figure out how to even work with their compliance teams when everyone is suddenly remote and, and people have different varying levels of comfort with the technologies that they might even have in place in their stack already, um, be it something like, you know, even just like Microsoft Teams and, and uh, Google Docs. So starting to answer those questions for people were really important. For our clients, obviously, there's a greater need for additional tutorials for more people to be using our platform for spinning up like more strategic help for people to figure out what sort of stories would actually resonate with their audiences and not come up as opportunistic. But I think that like meteor in-depth educational content works so much better at a time like this than just coming up with a new Facebook ad to run or a new tagline. Because what you need to instill in people is a sense that you actually really care about what they're going through. You can relate to and understand their experience and you have some answers for them and you can be the right strategic partner for them at this time as opposed to you're a clever marketer who thought of a new logo design that conveys social distancing which might be something that gets you like a write-up in ad freak but isn't really going to make anyone think that you're the right partner for them when you're talking about like us which is a more involved in-depth like strategic b2b partnership. No, that's so important. I mean, it it's connection. It's seeking first to build that relationship and to serve and to provide relevancy. I mean, that's what you just defined was how to really, really serve your audience and ask, you know, how, what can we do today to help our audience tomorrow? I think that's really important. And uh, something that in this time of so much panic. Um, it can feel like we need to just produce more content, more, 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 ride the coattails, like you were saying before, get, you know, hop on board with what everybody else is talking about in an effort to nab some keywords or optimize some content. I mean, it's just, that's so not what it's about, especially today. What is some advice that you would give to, to marketers? I mean, we have a shared audience here. You talk to marketers, so do we, specifically of the content variety. So with what you're hearing, what you're learning about what people are looking for most, what advice would you give to, to this audience who's struggling to, to make it through and to provide relevancy and to be valuable to our audiences today? I would really tap into your frontline teams for Intel right now because that's often the quickest way to get a little snapshot of market research is ask your customer success team, like what questions are they hearing for people? Um, what challenges are they facing? Um, the same thing for your sales team. 
uh, not ask them about like the challenges that your team is facing and getting them to like sign that deal, you know, in the next month or to get that renewal. But like, what are the big pain points that those people are feeling internally and prompt your frontline teams to ask those questions and report back to you. That's often the easiest way to get, you know, quick market research about what are the two to three topics that you should really address first. The second thing is that if you do have the relationship with any of your clients through say like a customer advisory board, uh, definitely tap into that group to get intel and feedback from them. I've been trying to talk to as many people from our customer advisory board as possible. And then look at the common threads that come up there and tailor your content accordingly to answer those big questions or problems that they're, they're facing. Um, and, and don't be afraid to move quickly. I think it's been a really almost therapeutic, it's been really therapeutic work for my team to really focus on, on developing a lot of helpful content for our audience over the last four weeks and to spend their time doing that because uh, it's cathartic in a way, but it also, you know, it makes you feel good. But we also, as we're going through this, you know, have this mantra of, you know, always be thoughtful, always be helpful, never be op- opportunistic in anything that we're developing. Um, because that's the last thing you want to do is feel like you're just developing a piece of content that's related to coronavirus for the sake of developing a piece of content that's related to coronavirus. Um, and I give our editor-in-chief, Jordan, uh, a lot of props here. He is like the opportunism hawk with anything. Um, so anything that we write or develop or any ideas we come up with, he always has that really critical lens on it to make sure that you know we're not writing a blog post for the sake of writing a blog post or creating an event for creating the sake of an event. That is so important because you can do it accidentally, especially when you're passionate, right? So when you, when you deeply believe that this topic or this piece of content or this advice or this product or this service can help right now, it can come across. Passion can easily be received as, you know, opportunistic um, or sound tone deaf when it's not intended to be that way. All right. So also one other thing is how in the midst of all of this, um, so you're taking feedback from sales and feedback from customer service. How are you kind of closing that loop and saying, okay, in, in this time where we're all working remotely and everything's changed and messaging really has changed, how are you going back and making sure that sales and, and success and customer service knows these new things that you're doing and how to use them? You know, we're a startup so being a small startup, you have some advantages, um, which is that it's easier to really communicate to everyone effectively and everyone's more of uh, a digital native on this stuff. So we're really just blasting it out via Slack, taking questions from people, you know, giving them notes on how they can use it with uh, customers and prospects. And, and they get it because the ideas have come from them for the large part. So you know, a, a lot of this has been uh, a two-way communication of them saying, hey, we really could use a piece that, you know, lays out this whole case for why you should be creating, you know, still creating content right now and and what some of the biggest opportunities are and things to watch out for. And so then we develop those pieces and we send it to them and we're like, here's the piece that you asked for to answer those questions. They're like, oh my God, thank you. I'm going to send it to X, Y, and Z today. So when you're actually developing content that is meeting needs that they have already, it becomes super intuitive for them to know how to then use that, uh, that piece. Absolutely. I mean, you get that buy-in early on and you're all in it together. You're much more likely to have the buy-in on the tail end too. 
anything else you share? Anything else you feel like uh, marketers need to know right now? I mean, the the other area is just the total wild west of figuring out how to do a good virtual event, uh, which I'd say has been the other big fun challenge for us. Uh, so we decided we had a cab event, our customer advisory board event coming up. It was going to be in New York. Um, have had to figure out how to retrofit it to work really well as a virtual event, but also because we always want to be leading by example with our customers of doing super cool things and being really interesting and thoughtful with our content. I've had kind of the unique challenge of amidst all this figuring out how to put together a really cool virtual event. And, you know, we're going to be trying a lot of different games, be sending physical items that tie in directly to the content. It could go well, uh, it could go horribly. So I, you know, perhaps I'm not in the best place to be giving advice on this right now, but I will say that, you know, if you have any virtual events coming up, uh, I would encourage you to try and be as experimental as possible uh, because people are going to get really sick of just standard screen shares over Zoom. Absolutely. And I would add to that too is um, ask yourself how you can use the content that you put together leading up to the event, that you create during the event, how you can use all of that in different ways across other channels after the event. Don't make it a one-stop shop. Well, thank you so much, Joe. This was, this was really helpful. Um, very, very uh, not only relatable, but um, tangible advice that a lot of people could use. So thank you for sharing. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. That's our show. Thanks for listening. For more from today's guest, including bonus content not included in this episode, like the stories you haven't heard about their career and the advice they have for you in your path to becoming a marketing leader, visit casted.us to subscribe and receive our show as it's published, along with exclusive content each week.